0: We are preparing to prepare the way. Uh, I'm not going to give a long overview, just a little of an insight so that we're all on the same page. Uh, We want to continue to focus on the fact that this is all about God qualifying those whom are called and equipping those who are called and we understand that we've received a tremendous insight and promise to really begin to enter into some divine rooms of God we call them rooms spiritual rooms spiritual doors however the Lord told us to step back and last week we began to assess our hearts and to really look deep as to why and how uh, we are to be those who are privileged to be called to be preparing uh, to prepare the way. Now, there are some, and I'm not faulting them, because God gives unto many different things who recently are coming out now um, with calls to prepare the way. And uh, that has been the theme and the assignment of myself and anything we've done in ministry uh, since 1980. Can we also turn the air up in the house, please? I'm not even sure it's on. I think it's off completely. It's probably about 76 or something in here right now. Thank you. A few little house-attending duties we need to do, right? Lights, air, action, go. So... That being said, this call to prepare the way is not new. It's actually been anticipated um, for in my life one generation, 40 years. I find it interesting that it's in 2020 that now the Lord is beginning to open those doors. Um, We understand that we, are, we have a scriptural background for this journey we're taking, that we came into it not really understanding how, but in faith when the Lord called us to a hundred days of prayer, um, and it ended on New Year's Eve. We had no inclination as to why, and then immediately he gave the vision to the house that we shared to the place of next. And this place of next, I would assume the Lord showed it as that because we really didn't understand the place. <laughs> and we didn't know what we were entering into, and now we are entering into it. After that, uh, as we began this, this move, he called us to eight weeks of diligence to seek and pursue what this meant and through that we've been receiving revelation and understanding all based upon the firm foundation of the Word of God and there was a promise that came with that and he said that if we were diligent in that pursuit that after that period of time we would begin to see and bear the fruit of what he had called us to and already uh, as God does he gives a glimpse of the promises and then test your heart and puts us in a place to walk into those promises and so early on in the first and second weeks he gave us the vision of of the rooms that we can enter into the, the spiritual rooms the open doors that we have to move into and the, the scriptural foundations for those uh, come out of john 14 verse 2 and 4, which is an eschatological scripture, but it is also a scripture for the present and now. It's just not taught in the present and now, because mindsets are always focused on something that's a little bit out of reach, a little further, a promise. But we are those who believe that all of the promises of God are for the here and the now, in the present. They're not just for our future life in heaven. Um, and and because of that, we're being equipped uh, to become mighty people of God. And I'm saying being equipped because if we ever get to the point where we feel that we are fully, fully uh, prepared, then we will quit seeking God, and we will quickly slip into a a, a sense of uh, of being unprepared. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous for us as a believer, and it's dangerous for those that God trust us with um, to minister to so in that scripture in my father's house are many and it says mansions but the better interpretation is rooms another interpretation is gates in my father's house are many rooms that have gates and doors and if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you now this is Christ to his disciples on his way to the cross And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. All of a sudden, this promise shifts to him coming again, preparing the way, prepared to prepare the way. And I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. So there are many rooms. We understand that in heaven. Many songs made about that, many Eulogies. I don't think there's too many funerals that go by where people don't talk about a mansion in heaven, rooms in heaven, but far too little given about the access and what that means here in the earth in the present. We understood that we are those that believe the prayer that Jesus taught. It's called the Lord's Prayer, um, and it is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven he has taught us to pray that with an expectation there's a reason he taught us to pray that because faith up until that time um, especially faith that was heathen uh, mythology heathen religions everything was about the hereafter right? The Egyptians, they would bury their pharaohs, they would put their servants, they would put their boat, they would put everything about the journey in the hereafter. Greek mythology was always dealing with something that was far away, it was ethereal, it couldn't be touched. And really almost every religion that there is has really no solution for the abundant life that God can give now except through Christ. Christ said, I've come to give you life life more abundantly he's talking about the present now so isn't it apropos that he taught us to pray this way and now the Spirit of God is calling us to expect our prayers to be answered and to see that way so we understand that these rooms in heaven um, uh, have a spiritual application for us here on this earth right we are in this world but we are not of this world we are citizens of Heaven. If we're citizens of heaven, but we can't enjoy our citizenship until we get to heaven, then that's really not citizenship, is it? That reminds me of immigrants. I think almost everybody here has a family history of somehow somebody got here sometime, somewhere, from somewhere else. That's the kind of a nation and a country this is. For almost everybody in this country, uh, transported from somewhere. And so there was a hope, there was an expectation to come to this promised land. Uh, But until somebody came and set foot on this land, they were an alien. They didn't belong here. They didn't have any dominion. They didn't have titleship. They didn't have lordship. They didn't have any authority. They had no power. They had no gifts. We are not those people. We have all the blessings of God. Every good blessing comes from God in heaven. So, we are not aliens to the kingdom of God here on earth. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King and our Lord and Lordship. So, we understand and we take that step with our place of next as He showed it to us that it's bigger than just coming to another point. It's bigger than just checking off a dot in our Christian walk in our life as we grow. It is actually coming to a place. Where if we believe God and what he has shown us and the rooms, the many rooms that are here for us that are not accessed in faith and are not, people don't spend time in those places with God, then we, if we really believe that and accept that, we are entering in to an end time legacy to be prepared as overcomers for the kingdom of God. And to be overcomers for the kingdom of God, we must be qualified, which is which is first and foremost through belief in Jesus Christ that we are the righteousness of God in Christ we can't earn it however we can squander it and so we must be qualified so the Lord has took us through on Sunday and Tuesday and last Sunday to a point where we've been just crying out with our hearts that we have hearts unto God that we we practice and pursue holiness that we understand the grace of God that we give grace receive grace and all of the attributes that God has but but remembering first and foremost who it is and why we are called for such a time as this and this time is to what be ministers of the kingdom of God here on earth with the fullness of all God has in heaven and on earth he's equipping us fully but we won't be equipped if we do not go to the rooms and take that which God has for us and fellowship with him so just to prove it a little bit more because everything must be done on a foundation of the Word of God it's wonderful to espouse all these things and to be prophetic and to throw things out but if it doesn't have some paste on the back of the paper the paper doesn't stick on the wall it falls off you can tape it up for a short while, but it'll fall down. We want to make sure we're on a firm foundation of the Word of God. So First Peter, starting in chapter 2, verse 1, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now, we already know with, with Paul, writing I'm sorry with Peter writing this message he understood the grace of God he came from the law he knew that you could not grow up into redemption so what did he mean when he said stay like newborn infants he's not opposing what Paul said which is why do you keep drinking milk when are you going to eat meat what he was saying is don't lose that passion don't lose that discipline don't lose that call that thirst for the things of God like children pursuing the milk of God. Keep doing it, and don't do it with hypocrisy. Don't do it with deceit. Keep your heart pure. Don't have envy. Don't have slander. And if we were having to really be honest about some of the things operating today in in the church systems, in in religions, Christian religions, uh, and even in ministries, televangelism there's a lot of envy there's a lot of slander there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of the business of the ministry which jesus detested the business of the ministry is nothing old it was in the temple it was thereafter it was always being challenged paul had to buck up against the business of the ministry to finally get them to understand his calling wasn't the same as their initial calling he was a step out. If he had not taken that stand and understood by what the Holy Spirit had, if there hadn't been a transformation and a change, we would have never grown out of the disciples in Jerusalem only reaching out to the, only reaching out to the Jews with an arrogance and an understanding that it was only the Jews. It took Paul to break that mold and to go out because God took this super Jew, transformed his heart, and changed it today god wants to take super arrogant christians and transform our hearts and change it we don't know the way he knows the way we are not the way he is the way the truth and the light and if we had to say anything as we get on our knees and bow before god we should be saying as pastors and leaders and those that are filled with the holy spirit and passionate for god that we repent for thinking that we are the ones that are able to take people on the way he takes the way and unless we get on his way we're taking people the wrong place so that scripture goes on and says if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good how many of us have tasted that the Lord is good so there's a qualification if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good you may as well say that you've been saved that you've been forgiven that you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Uh, as you come to him uh, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, you are chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones and are being built up, being built up as a spiritual house. Now, you are a temple of God. So, in one essence, you're a cottage in the kingdom of God. You're a cottage. You're being built up as a cottage in the kingdom of God. But as we spent 25 weeks, a year and a half, two years ago, discovering the spheres of the kingdom of God, we realized that together we are building the kingdom of God. And our spheres overlap. Our spheres draw. And the multiple is Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. We're all within that. So we are being built up is the house of God here what does a house have rooms a house has rooms some houses are small they are a one room house not quite as comfortable as some other houses if you have 20 children and you have one room you have a long day um and but if you have a mansion and you have 20 children and you have a mansion with 30 rooms They may not even see each other in a given day. How big is our house? How big are we? It's it's how we enter into this place of next and begin to access the rooms. All of this again laying down a foundation as we go. Verse six of first Peter two, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. The foundation is our word of God and we understand the cornerstone is Jesus Christ the cornerstone is everything that determines how this house is built if the cornerstone is off everything is off in construction if you don't have good points to begin to build from and a strong foundation what you build shall fall Paul gives us a better enlightenment he says that the kingdom of God is being built Upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, that too, got very weak, didn't it? It actually got lost somewhere along. started coming back into the body of Christ through the Ephesians four, the different five-fold ministry. Some disdained it. Some denominations have actually come out and said that was for another time. Some have come out and said that it's not necessary today. Some have come out and said... And told people it is wrong. We have to be careful. Now, this I confess to you there are a lot of false apostles and false prophets. And that is one reason why it's disdained because where do you believe? Who do you believe? What do you go with? It's as if any of you, uh, everybody here, I assume, went to school at some level, at some point, right? At least we're that kind of a nation. So if you did, did anybody here have? One bad experience with a teacher. So you had one bad experience with a teacher. So you should not have an education. One bad experience with a prophet or an apostle. You should not have the fivefold ministry of the kingdom of God. It's called accountability, isn't it? And so, uh, just just a little side note. I was asked. Um, Today I don't want to disclose it. You'll know it because it'll come out probably this week. Um, My opinion about this prophecy that's going all around from this fellow named Dana down in Kentucky, and um, you know, doom and gloom, Russians and Chinese in Washington D.C. in November, the government toppling, something big in September, and he went on and on and on and on and on, and. I know that uh, Dutch Sheets felt led to come out and oppose it, so he went public. Not, he was gracious, but he went public. And what I did was I sent my message from June 15th on Poda Shield, which went through and, and went back through what had been prophesied for this year, with an understanding that something is on the horizon for September for, before Sukkot that's going to shift. And it's going to be somewhat cataclysmic, but not like the first two shifts that we had. I also sent him, because he's a publisher and, and, uh, and a source for news, I also sent him my word that I gave um, that something was coming after COVID, and I also sent him my sermon uh, from May 24th that said, a spirit of lawlessness and the, the spirit of delusion was about to be released on the earth that was May 24th May 25th George Floyd was killed within three days cities were ablaze in the United States and so I said I rest on that that's what I rest on I rest on the fact that if you hear the word of the Lord and give it you should be accountable for what you give I said so September something's gonna happen and it has a lot to do with this election but more so to do with the assignments of God And first and foremost, it has a lot to do with the body of Christ here on earth. And secondly, it has a lot to do with the opportunity to overturn abortion. That's where God's passion is. And so uh, the reason I say that is I said to him, listen, you sit in a high place. You come to me all the time. Have I ever given you a wrong word? He said, no, that's why I come to you. I said, well, thank God. In the fear of the Lord, I pray I don't. I pray I don't. I said I I walk in that fear of God and I only do it when he tells me to release it he says well tell me what you're thinking is coming I said I won't because you use those words what I'm thinking I can't tell you what I'm thinking because I'll miss it if I don't see it I won't give it and God said to pray usually he doesn't always tell me to ask people to pray about what he says is going to come this one he said pray and tell the people to pray fervently so that's the message I'll be releasing about what's coming which means that if we don't then we could miss it so we need to pray it in it's like when god sent jonah told him to go to nineveh jonah didn't want to go he wasn't inclined to go he went the wrong direction didn't he and god swallowed him up and then spit him out and boy jonah was just he became the greatest uh, repentant evangelist there ever was in the in the belly of that fish You know, just crying out and telling God how good he was and how gracious he was and how sorry he was and how committed he was. And, you know, you could just see God spitting him out at Nineveh through that belly with, you know, putrid vines and dead fish bones wrapped around his body. And he got out and flung himself off and gave a message. And what it tells us is that God, one word says relented, the other one says repented. Of the destruction he was about to bring upon Nineveh because the message he brought them was one of judgment and they responded but they responded from the king down not from the people up and I believe that the true revival has to come from the king down not just from the people up God puts kings in places he expects them to lead the people where they're supposed to go in this instance in the government of God we are kings and priests aren't we And so we can help to lead, but our dominion doesn't give us authority over government. But as priests, that's how we enter the rooms of the mansion here on earth that God has given us in this government. We enter as priests to minister. A priest must first receive the things of God in order to give them. There was nothing that Aaron and the priests of Israel had to give unless they first received it from the Lord to give it. They ministered what God gave back unto the Lord and unto the people. Verse 9 of Peter, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, that is interesting, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that, and and that can be interpreted in many, many different adjectives as you look at the, the Greek and even into the Aramaic of it. Peculiar, strange, misfit, out of place, different. when we apply that to ourselves how do we stand up when we're out in the world are you a misfit do you belong are you different are you out of place so things where you're out of place how are you perceived? how do you want to be perceived hmm? you want to be accepted you see our nature wants to be accepted and so the forces of the world are constantly trying to conform us to whatever the norm (laughs) and they love to tell us new norms is in the world at that given moment we have an inclination to want to be accepted don't we but God says no you're a peculiar people if you're really a chosen generation a royal priesthood and if you are houses of a holy nation a government of forever increase without end here on earth then you're peculiar people and you need to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God for that. Thank you, beloved sister. Go ahead, Laura Lee, announce what happened. You have to announce what you guys did today. Just stand up and do it. Come on, come on. We're so thankful to, to Sue, because she has created so many beautiful banners, and I didn't know which one to put up first, so um, we're just thankful. We want to thank you, and we're honored to house your banners in our house, and our house is your house, so we're honored to have you here. Thank you, and all those that helped today. Thank you. And, and this is a, this is a generation Crossing generation, generational plus of blessings and legacies of banners unto the Lord in the house. And the very first week that we convened, as the Lord said, he told us to lift up the banners of the Lord. So in every room, we will lift up the banners of the Lord to what the Lord is in that room. This is prophetic. And and, and I see things prophetically. I don't make things prophetically. Don't do that. Don't turn everything into prophetic, right? You happen to see a bird fly over here on your way there. Don't say God did this. And, you know, some people are over spiritualizing every little thing that happens. Don't do that. You don't have to live that way. But we want to see when God makes some major things and does some major moves. I believe that the reason that God gave us this general of banners that said, The Lord called me here. And I'm going to trust you with the stewardship of this is because God has found us to be trustworthy. The things he gives us, we hold on to and we maintain in excellence. And we demand it in excellence of God and we will not wither. And, 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 and there's a reason because it's not just tapestry. It's not just art. These are declarations of God himself. And, and so look at even for tonight. There sits the light. There sits the light. You're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Finally, we said that we need to open the doors in our place of next. It's one thing to enter into it. What good is it, (laughs) right? I uh, once read a humorous story about uh, a couple bank robbers, and uh, they, they got into a bank, but they couldn't open the vault. And so really all they got out of the bank was some spare change and they got caught and went to jail, which was a long time. And somebody asked them, well, when you got into the bank, what would you expect? And they said, well, we really didn't plan it beyond that point. We just figured we'd be able to get in the vault. They were stupid. It's the same thing as if, you know, we go into the place of next and there's a bunch of rooms, but we can't get into them. And we're not, we don't know how to get into them. So he gave us out of Revelation 3, chapter 7. And um, we read this as a declaration in the house uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, One of the ladies did a wonderful one. And he says, These things says he who is holy who is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works and I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. So we understand that that is prophetic. First of all, Jesus Christ is the key of David. But... Jesus Christ is looking for us to what ask him to come in through the door he says it's an open door but he's not going to pound the door down he's not going to rush into that door he wants you to ask him well what does that mean an open door if he says first of all what that is in in insinuating if we understand it we're not outside the door waiting to come into his room, he's outside the door waiting to come into our room. That means that he has blessed us with all the rooms of our earthly houses that are destined for you. Those are rooms that, are, that God has given to us. Now, how many of you have, you know, moved into a home You acquired a home or maybe you built one and and the rooms weren't the way you liked them and you decorated the room. You changed something, the coloring, the carpeting, the blinds, you know, you rearranged the furniture, you brought your own stuff in, you put your own pictures up, you did whatever. We have the opportunity to arrange and decorate our rooms. And Jesus says, here I am. This is Jesus. Here I am. Ask me in. and I give you the key to open the room. Now ask me in. Ask me to come in to the room. I find that to be quite comforting to me because if that is the way it is, then we already have everything that we need available to us to do and become what we need to be and to reside in that place. So, um, four blessings that we've talked about that continue, that God continues to provide for us, and this is what this is all about in this place of next. And this is for us, so that we can be equipped and safe and sound to do what we are. This is God's. Divine, and there's four things. One, provision, right? God will supply all of our needs, give us everything that we want to seek the kingdom of God. If we're doing what he wants us to do, kingdom of God, he'll give us everything we need, not only personally, but for his ministry protection he will protect us he will protect you from the plague that soars during the day the terror of the night amen Amen. now people will say something's wrong with you and now they'll try to tell you that you know you've just gone into a category that doesn't care about other people because you believe God's gonna protect you really are you different I'd say you are isn't it interesting that what God told the children of Israel and if you notice I put down the Ancient of Days he wants us to pursue him again as the Ancient of Days we've forgotten that Daniel got it in chapter 7 said it three times the Ancient of Days the Ancient of Days in the one really really amazing encounter I had in a room in Jerusalem with the Godhead um, I saw the Ancient of Days and I knew immediately that was the Ancient of Days and I realized that the Lord was pulling me for a reason to that path why was he introducing himself to me as the Ancient of Days because first of all all the promises that God gave had conditions because of the grace of God In our arrogance, in our Christian belief, we have forgotten the fear of the Lord. And we've strayed away from the fear of God. And because we've strayed away from the fear of the Lord, we have lost the conditional blessings. If my people shall, who are called by my name, repent, repent, repent. Repent means to really change, not just to ask God to forgive us. It means to change. God's not fooled by people to just ask Him to forgive them. He's played that game since He created Abel and Cain. Right? And Adam. So we understand that. Um, We understand that the protection of God is what we need in this day and in this hour. If indeed we're going to stand in the place of chaos and confusion and terror, we need to know that God has protected us. And I shared with... With you on Sunday to, about John G. Lake, and I would you know advise you, read his story, read his testimony. It was powerful. The man was in the third wave of the bubonic plague in Africa. It was at the turn of the 19th, of the 20th century into the 1900s. people were dying by the hundreds of thousands. they had those in 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 India and in China. They burned down most of Chinatown to try and burn the stuff out. They didn't have any therapeutic medicines. They didn't have any vaccines. All they could do was to hope somebody didn't die when they died to get rid of everything that they were and them and bury it as fast as they could and destroy it. But this man and his little Dutch uh, uh, friend, they would go into those homes and take out those dead bodies to help try to preserve the rest of the family they would bury them sometimes three and four at a time in a grave they would cleanse the house they would minister to those people with the white foam still coming out of their mouths while they were dead and he never got sick and when the Dutch doctors came in and the nations came in and they began to try to help and the medical people were getting sick and dying and they didn't know how to stay away from it they just couldn't believe it they were marveled and they asked him right how is it that you are not being contaminated why aren't you being killed what is it and he and he said to them he said take out your microscope and look at these little things that are jumping all around from the froth in the mouth of this person right here that is dead and see if it's not alive yes it's alive he said now and he put it in his hands and he said now look at that under the microscope and they were dead and he says it's the law of the life of the holy spirit are we living by the law of the life of the holy spirit amen Amen. ralph has been with me and you've seen i have been in many places of the world where people have stuff i don't know what they have but they come to me in faith to be healed am i to say give me my mask let me get my herbicides out let me put a little bit of this on and You know, don't breathe on me, turn your head over here. They lay in these hands and in these arms and God heals them because of the law of the life. I have never been afraid nor walked away from a disease. My wife has seen many times when I've been called to a hospital and somebody's in isolation, I go right in the room and I pray for them. I don't do it because I'm arrogant and I want to show that I'm macho. I do it because if I'm not going to pray for them with the faith that I believe of the law of the life of the Spirit, how am I supposed to heal them? God, you heal them, but I'm not touching them. Really? Really? So God is calling us to supernatural protection, divine protection in this place of next that we are at. Provision, protection. And the next one is direction. He's giving us divine direction. He is the way. So how can we prepare the way for the Lord if we're not receiving direction of the way? We're just playing games. We're just trying to conform something to the old formulas of what we think faith is about. But this is a new move of God. This is a new time. If John would have tried to conform, preparing the way for the first coming of the Lord, he would have been stuck in the Jewish law. He would have never told them to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He would have never baptized them in a new way to repent of their sins. He would have just baptized them in the mitzvahs of what they used to do, which was nothing more than a ceremonial purification of the flesh. But he moved from the flesh to the soul. And God is calling us now to move from religion into spirit. And beloved, until we wake up and realize that we are not those who have been immune from religion, we are not qualified to go into the place of next. That's part of the qualification. The qualification is, you know what, Lord, I'm letting it all go. I'm letting it all go. I'm not going to listen to all of these rules and orders. Unless it's in the word of God, I'm not going to ascribe to it. And Holy Spirit, you show me. You show me the way. Jesus had a word for that. Blind guides. Leading the blind. That's what he called them. And that's why Peter wrote out with no hypocrisy. No deceit. So, we talked with some... And we're right up to that point again. We talked with some zeal and excitement about the rooms. We revealed that the Lord showed us there are three master suites as we come into this mansion that is ours here on earth. Um, I don't mind having a cottage, and a cottage on a lake would be a wonderful thing that you don't have to do much work on. But personally, I like living in a little more room than a cottage. So, And especially if that room has special things for me, right? And um, I think it's wonderful to, to, uh, to have suites in a house. It's a wonderful thing if you could have one, right? How many of you have ever gone to a hotel and maybe they were out of rooms or maybe just by the grace of God you got upgraded. I don't know, and you ended up with a suite in a hotel. Anybody? D- did you say, I don't want the suite put me in a smaller room? Uh, did you say I don't want that dressing area? I don't want a television in my bathroom and one over here and one over here. I, I only want one phone by the bed, doesn't matter where I'm at, and, and, uh, and, and put me right by the elevator with a bunch of kids all around me screaming and yelling all night long. I really don't want to be in a master suite on the top with a jacuzzi, and I don't, I, don't, I don't want that. Which one of you fools ever said that, right? And, 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 uh... So he told us there's three master suites. Uh, This is is us getting ready to walk into the promises. We're getting ready. But he's told us to get ready. And, And I believe that is the fruit. That's the first fruit. I've got the Holy Spirit all over me that he said after these eight weeks that we were diligent, we would begin to bear the fruit. And we're all ready. He gave us a glimpse of it. And he told us last week, don't be like the 12 spies that went in and 10 came out, and they said, it's too big for us. Even though they saw the big vine of fruit, and they saw the blessings, instead they saw the earth, they saw the flesh, they saw giants, they saw fear. They brought a bad report, and they couldn't enter in. The Lord said, don't be like that. Don't be like, don't worry about who wants to persecute you because of what you're saying. Don't worry about if if your message that I'm giving you is different than a message that's been out there. And I'm not talking about changing the gospel. You know me better than that. I'm talking about what are we saying that the Lord is calling people to. You know one of the messages, and and, and I want to touch on this in a moment. um, One of the messages that has sorely been lost In the body of christ is the message of heaven and hell it's about gone it's gone how many of you watch you know um christian network television how many of you could say i'm watching that you've heard a message about heaven and hell in the last month none of you none of you oh we've heard all kind of supernatural we've heard about the grace we've heard about we've heard about a lot of good stuff but no one's preaching heaven and hell now we can't terrorize people with it you can't scare people the fear tactics aren't the right ones they don't work but (laughs) the first message that john began to preach when he said repent the kingdom of heaven is hand is is that if you die you're in sin Christ came and amplified it he said be don't be afraid of the one who can kill your body be afraid of the one afterwards can cast you into hell and then he gave us these very vivid glimpses and visions of hell how many of you love visions of hell you're sick if you do right we like the visions of heaven but we have to give people visions of hell they need to see it amen and so part of what you're called to do to prepare the way of the Lord is to pluck people whose feet are burning in hell out of hell we need to save souls from hell we can fill up the church and fill up the church and fill up the church and give them every kind of message and every kind of intuitive knowledge and every prophetic word but when we get people saved they're coming in they just want to learn the basics we want to take them to the highest mountain and they haven't yet been able to walk through the valley. But we get bored. We want more, 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 more. We want, remember 2 Timothy, itchy ears? We want our ears itched with something new. Something strange. Something different. Who's got it? I'm going to chase after that one. I'm going to chase after this one. Oh, they got I'm going to let me ha ha. Just chasing, chasing. for that next new message so he says beware but the three sweets three master suites the master suite of the father Remember the master suite of the Savior the master suite of the Holy Spirit three master suites all in one but yet separate and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to us at the third week and he said when you enter into these master suites don't just take a tour. (laughs) Huh? The Lord said, don't just take a tour. What's that telling us is that sometimes in our pursuit of religion, you see, I'm not afraid to tell you in our pursuit of religion, we just take tours. What's the formula for faith? What's the formula for healing? What's the formula for worship? What's the formula for building my church? There are companies that churches you would be shocked within I'm going to be nice within a very short radius of this church you don't have to go outside of the areas they have hired firms consultants to teach them the formulas to build their church one of the things that comes out of it don't mention the Holy Spirit at all or if you do very little don't get into all of those you know don't don't, don't speak in tongues. Don't lay too many hands. Don't do that. And when you're bringing the name of Jesus, stay away from hell. You'll build your church. What are you going to build it to? What kind of a foundation is that? What are the people going to do when, when the wor- world is shaken right now and they're so afraid of COVID they won't go out of their house because they don't understand the law of the spirit of life and the power of Christ? No power. Form of godliness. No power. We can be taught about faith till we're full to hear. Faith, 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 faith. All I know is a lot of faith churches shut down. Hmm. We shut down for a few weeks. I didn't like it. My wife tell you I was a bear. And I only did it because I didn't want other people to get put in a position that I was leading them the wrong place. When I say shut down, we just didn't say come we just opened the doors and those who came came and we kept going and then I said that's enough I'm done with this not because we're moxie not because of arrogance not because we don't wanna to to listen to authority but because what was happening was the very power of the people of God was being discriminated against and segregated against and destroyed with a brainwash authority to try and take us away from exactly what God has given us to walk in divine protection to walk in divine provision to walk in divine uh, direction and finally to walk in divine preparation to walk in divine preparation so as I was pursuing this again today and, and I felt, you know, we're sort of like we're in the sixth week. Um, so we're just, we're beyond the midpoint, but I think it was good that we reset ourselves and go through this overview of what God has. And, and, and that's what I did earlier today. And, and you know how I know that we're getting closer and closer to something? The uh, oppression that I've been fighting in my spirit has been intensifying this past week. About the last seven to ten days. the oppression is intensifying. So I have to, to sort of push myself aside from the routines that I would do. And I just need to, to, to be quiet and just sometimes just close my eyes and just fight it back and, and get myself back in that place. Back in my place. And I know, I know because of my walk with God, that means we're on the precipice of something. I can honestly tell you I'm not practicing sin. And you know I preach it all the time. So don't, don't think that, oh, maybe he opened the gate. No, there's no gates opened up. Trust me, I close those gates as quickly as they try to open. I've learned that path a long time ago. It's oppression. I know what oppression is. I know what an oppressing spirit is. I know what demonic warfare is. I know what it's attempting to do. I know when those voices begin to onslaught against me out of the clear blue sky, I know where they come from, and I know how to shoot them down, and I know the voice of the Lord. And I know, believe that most of you do as well, right? So I'm telling you, that's why I know that we're entering into something. First and foremost, the Lord spoke today and he was showing me um, this scripture. This sort of jumped out at me. And it comes out of uh, Matthew 24, verse 33. Matthew 24, verse 33. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near (laughs) at the doors. How many of you have ever really focused on those words at the doors? Not me. I've read Matthew 24 and that whole eschatological issue about the coming of the Lord and and the fig tree. This is all about the fig tree when you see that fig tree beginning to get its blossoming and it's beginning to prepare itself it's coming into summer well interesting enough on a theological basis just for your own studies the seasons of in the bible are really only two winter and summer and so when the fig tree begins to blossom itself out in spring that is the beginning of summer and so that's the beginning of the birth pains. And now we're somewhere along in that path. We're no longer at the beginning of birth pains. We're somewhere down that, that spiritual nine-month process to deliver. I'm not telling you it's nine months. I'm just telling you it's spiritual. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know the time. I don't know the season. I wouldn't dare say that. But I can tell you we're further along than at the beginning of the summer. We're somewhere along that path. And that's why God is assembling his people together. Before David could take the kingdom, we did a study in this church five, six years ago. I think we still have the series on the call to Ziklag. Somebody did a book afterwards. Some of my stuff they grab, they write books. That's okay. The call to Ziklag. And I said that God would be assuming and, and assembling people and calling them together and equipping them and qualifying them, all those things that we're just going over now, to be prepared for when the time comes. And that's what God is doing now. This is, this is a iconic a, a, a call going out to the kingdom of God to prepare and to get ready because God wants to use us. Now, anybody who's sent out to do anything, in any trade that you do, you don't just go teach, uh, without being taught to teach you don't go in the in into battle without being taught how to survive and to win in battle you don't go to a, an athletic competition uh, without getting taught on how to do it whatever level you're at correct everything has its training everything has its weaning everything has its maturing process and until you're at the highest levels to where you can really go at what you're supposed to do right You need to accomplish certain things. That's what we're doing. That's where we're at. That's what this place of next is. We're being called into a place now to get prepared, to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And those who are rushing into it without being prepared, there's casualties. There's casualties. And I dare say to you, and it's not a popular message, but I think you already know I could care less. Many churches and many pastors aren't prepared themselves, let alone preparing their people. The blind leading the blind. Doesn't mean they're bad people, doesn't mean they have a bad heart. It means that there's a time and a season when you have to hear what God is saying. And isn't it interesting that those that got added unto David came from all kinds of different places? They had to leave their tribes. And they came with some of their tribe and some of the captains. They had to leave the places they were at. They had to leave their comfort levels. They had to leave, whatever it was, they came and they said, God is assembling a kingdom, we're going to walk with you. And it says they came and they were very able-bodied. They came from the different tribes. And with each tribe came a gift, didn't it? And that's why we love the full buffet of the kingdom of God. That's why we love the message of grace. We love the message of love. We love the message of healing. We love the message of faith. We love the message of wisdom. We love worship. We love joy. We love dance. We love it all. It's the buffet of the kingdom of God. We love reconciliation. We love restoration. We love evangelism. We love all five offices. We believe God to make them all work perfectly because that's the kingdom of God. We want it all. And we want to minister at all. But we need to be equipped. And so that's what God is doing. He's equipping us. But before He can equip us, we have to have a heart of unity. And that's what He's doing. And then we have to share so that others can get the heart of unity. And I'm sure there's messages, similar messages going out in some places of the four corners of the earth. Probably in churches small smaller, smaller than this one. It's not going out across networks because to be on a network you need to have a lot of grace which god gives me grace i don't pay or you got to be able to bring a lot of revenue in to pay to be on and people don't pay for this kind of message it's not sellable it's not marketable just ask the formulas from the companies that'll tell you how to grow your church they probably should use me as an example of what not to do <laughs> if you want a seeker friendly church I wonder if I could charge him for that. <laughs> um, the doors. Interesting, when you look at some different versions, I'm a sick puppy. I, I, I researched some stuff. and How many of you know that there's an Ethiopic Bible translation? It's a little weird. Um, it reads this way. It actually reads, he is near. He is near. Now, some would say that, that Ethiopian Bible translation is, is even, uh, well, certainly uh, uh, precedes the Greek translation. And there's a lot to be said about the Ethiopians. You probably know it was the last final people discovered that were Jews, and they brought them into Israel, and they're tremendous soldiers, and they're that lost, one of the lost tribes of Israel, and they're wonderful people. It says, he is near. So it doesn't just say, uh, to open the doors, it says he is near. He's in the door. He's ready to come in the gates. Another one says in the gates. He's in the gates. Um, and then the, the Hebrew version uh, further goes on. And it says that uh, he is through the doors. Through the doors. Through the doors. Now when we go back to that prophetic on Matthew 24:33 what it says is is that when we enter that season remember this comes just after he gives the parable of the fig tree and so you also when you see all these things know that it is near he is coming through the doors he is coming through the doors you understand that's 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 pretty hair raising if you believe the time is near and you're seeing the fig tree and things are starting to shake rock and roll He's coming through the doors. Jesus is coming through the doors. Are we in the rooms? And that's why he's putting us in the rooms now. He's coming through the doors. Jesus is coming through the doors. That was powerful. That brought me to Psalms 24. And, um, and this, is, this is what it says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He, listen to this, who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. I'm going to stop right there a moment. You see, I I don't think I have to spend time or prove about the righteousness of Christ before we got into this message we spent 10 weeks on the righteousness of God 10 weeks God put us by the Spirit of God to make sure we understood and understood and knew that we were, he was made sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ we can't we can't attain it we can't acquire it All we can do is Jesus has made us. We are made into the righteousness of God in Christ. That is who we are. That's what we become. However, with that, we find far too often that practicing sin is not held accountable. And so there's a question, and I'll deal with it if we get time, maybe not tonight. I like the way Tozar answered it. He did a tremendous job. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So there's a condition, isn't it? There's a condition. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. And this is it. Lift up your heads, O ye gates be lifted up you everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in wow let it soak in a minute let the prophetic of that word just soak into your spirit for a minute just lift up your heads O ye gates otherwise you are the gatekeeper for him to come through the door. What's the Psalms 24. Yeah. Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up. Remember that was a worship song in, I don't know, 80s? I don't know when it was. I liked it then. I like it now. And then listen to this. Here he's called ancient doors. You ancient doors. And that's why we come back to the ancient of days. The ancient of days. That the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. That is a clarion call to be prepared to prepare the way we have to let the Lord who's mighty in battle in because guess what if you're born today you're born to battle that's who you are you may say well i never really thought of myself as a warrior well you better start to think of yourself as one because the chaos of the world and the enemy isn't going to be sweet we have to overcome we have to be fierce. We have to be strong. We have to have all the attributes of God. We have to love greater than we've ever loved. We have to forgive more than we've ever forgiven. And we have to discern without question what is of God and not of God. And we have to be warriors. And so he, he, he reveals himself there. The king of glory. He reveals himself the first time as mighty in battle. The Lord strong and mighty. But then, listen to this. Now, lift up your heads. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Then he says again, prophetically, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Why does he repeat it? Answer, who is he, this king of glory? He's the Lord Almighty. And the other one is the Lord of hosts, the actual Literal translation from that scripture taken out of the Aramaic would be the Lord of hosts and out of the Hebrew. He is the Lord of hosts. So the first time Jesus came, Lord God Almighty, Jesus, gates opened up. Second time he's coming, he's coming of the Lord of hosts. He came alone the first time. He's coming with the host of heaven the second time. And the gates need to be opened up. The doors need to be opened up your gatekeepers to open the doors if you were in a castle and um, you know the princess was in the top room and you needed to get to let the troops in to help liberate the princess you would sneak down and cut the, the rope to the drawbridge and open the gate and the troops would come coming in we need to let the troops in we need to be those that open the gates and that's what he's calling us to be he's given the key Jesus is the key we need to open the gates he's the king of glory and um ancient of days Daniel 7 9 as I looked Thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. The wheels he's talking about are the wheels that are spoken of um, in Ezekiel 10, 7, 11. The wheels of fire, the cherubim, the fire, that wheels that go in all directions and churn and burn in the spirit of the f- glory of God. He says the wheels are all on fire. Verse 13, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And then verse 22, Until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people, the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. Pretty much tells you the eschatological story of the first and second coming. Ancient of days, the Father, the Father, and the Son going into the presence of the Father. Interesting that the Son himself says, No man knows the hour, said only the Father knows the hour and the time. That's how serious this is. That's how holy this is. That's how that's how it is in the heart of the Father. And even the sun and all the angelic hosts are waiting, waiting for the battle cry and the trumpet to sound for the coming of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord, and then we're going to pray. And I'm probably not going to get too much into it um, right now. Because I do want us to pray. And that's why we transitioned into uh, Top Flight Tuesday, because the Lord showed me and impressed upon me that this is a combination of, uh, just as we put out in the blast, a combination of teaching, prayer, uh, revelation on the firm foundation of God. We can just come and pray, but it's better to pray with the Spirit and with the understanding. And... um, The way that the fear of the Lord was referenced in Torah is the word terror. The terror of the Lord. And the way that Moses experienced God was in terror. He became to know him as a friend, but it was still in terror. And we understand that Scripture says it's a terrible thing, a fearful thing, a a thing of terror to fall into the hands of the living God. I like what Tozar wrote. A little old book about this big. Old one in my library. This is what he wrote. No one can know the true grace of God who has not first known the fear of God. Now let me extend that one more. No one who sustains the fear of the Lord appreciates the sustaining grace of the Lord. Does it make sense? No one who sustains the fear of the Lord appreciates the sustaining grace of the Lord. Otherwise, do we take grace for granted? Is it just our rite of passage Is it just something we squander and use as if we got a coupon for 10% off or 20% off or buy one and get one free? And so the Lord is calling us first and foremost in our own heart and then with others in the place of next to revive fear of the Lord. And somehow in my spirit, I get a sense that he's about to do something himself that's going to show mankind how terrible God is. When I say terrible, I mean terror. Terror. He's a fearful God. The fear of the Lord. Tozar wrote that it runs like a truth, running like a strong cable from Genesis to Revelation. The very presence of God always brought fear to the hearts of sinful people. The very presence of God brought fear to the hearts of sinful people. How do our messages work? Now I'm not, I told you again, you don't beat people over the head with hell. That's not going to do a lot of good for them. But there is a message. There is a message that heaven and hell is real. There is a message that the consequences of sin is death. There is a message that there's a separation from God. And We need to understand that within the spiritual DDA, the spiritual character, the spiritual makeup of every person, within them, there's an eternal yearning for God. And at the same time, God has created so that there will be a despair for being away from God. So if we become masters to revive the fear of God. Then we want to be like those who set the hands of the spiritual clock. Romans 8 gives us The understanding of every lost soul crying out, Abba, Abba, Abba. Crying out for Abba. An orphan soul crying out for the Father. That's in Romans 8. So if that is true, then that means that there are things that the Lord will use us to do, anointed by the Holy Spirit to set the hands of the clock for somebody to have the opportunity To have an experience with the living God. And to be set free. Something happens when people are confronted with the Holy One. And you know something else? The gospel of Jesus Christ never had a formula to build churches. The gospel of Jesus Christ builds the kingdom of God. So what has happened is we've seen it become changed. Become the tool to build a church. Instead of being selfless and just sold out and saying, Lord, let me help you build the kingdom. We should celebrate if somebody gets saved and goes to another church. We should celebrate if somebody gets saved and just finds their way and their path to God. We should celebrate all the time when God's kingdom is increasing and benefiting and when somebody is blessed for the kingdom of God. And so... Tozar, who, by the way, is buried right in Akron, not far from here. Great man of God. Tozar said, a congregation will feel this mysterious terror of God when the minister and the leaders of the church are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You know why? Because then you can't help but to minister the truth of God in whatever it is. Do you know how many people, when I go to pray for their healing... I have to tell them and say to them, you need to confess some sin. Now, I could just say I'm going to pray for your healing and and this and that, but if I'm not ministering to the soul and God has shown me that the root source of that illness is sin, then I'm not a minister of God. I'm no different than the carnival guy that somebody goes in and gets entertained by. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, The terror of God speaks in. And how about when you tell somebody and they're telling you all their problems and you say you're bound up with unforgiveness. But you don't understand, you don't know what I went through. You put a band-aid on it and you love them into the point that you send them back out all crippled and bound up for the rest of their lives. Or do you look at them and say, sorry, but this is the truth. And this truth will set you free. So Tozar pretty much nailed it. He understood it. And interesting, when he wrote this, when Tozar wrote this, this was coming just into the throes in the middle of the Pentecostal movement. And this is what he was seeing. He was seeing that the fruit of it was that the church was beginning to stray and was beginning to lose the fear of the Lord the terror of the Lord that's what he saw let's put him in the timeline that he wrote in and I think he was spot on I think if he were to prophesy it, I think he would be able to say it's only going to get worse you may have more people in bigger churches and you may have more avenues and more networks but I think the fear of the Lord is going to become unshined he writes that when Moses came down from the mountain with his face shining the children of Israel were afraid with a fear born out of that supernatural sight. He didn't need to threaten them. He only had to be in their presence and let them see the light on his face. Don't we want to have that encounter with God in the room that he said to the church of Philadelphia we read a week or two ago in Revelation 3? He said, you need to be strengthened, but you've kept my name. And because you've kept my name, I will keep your name. And I will cause those who are of the congregation of Satan to come and to worship at your feet. Because of your presence, not worship you, but worship God. Don't we want to be those people? Don't we want to be magnets for God that your mere presence somewhere causes people to change? Causes people to look upon you and say, there's something here I feel I'm afraid of God. It's possible. I have the Holy Spirit all over me. By your mere presence, is that how great our faith is? Can we have that kind of faith? Can we practice ourselves to be in that place? Can we have an expectation that in no matter what environment or situation we're in that we are so filled with the spirit of God, so moving in the message? Of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that whether we say a word or not, our mere presence changes the room. Has that ever happened to anybody here? It's okay, put your hand up if it has. Yeah. Does it happen all the time for you? I'm not condemning you, my hand went down too. Because sometimes I'm not prepared when I enter into that place. My expectation isn't that I'm there for the God, I'm there for myself. I'm there to get in and out as fast as I can. Hmm? Or it's an intrusion in my schedule. <laughs> it's an interruption in what I was about to do or was doing. Or it's an unpleasant person. Or they don't like me anyway. Am I hitting some buttons? So, I'm going to leave it at that. Fear of the Lord. We've gone through a lot of stuff. Why the Ancient of Days? Because the promises of God are still applicable today, and we lose them when we don't sustain the fear of the Lord in grace. Because of grace. It's not either grace or the fear. It's grace with the fear, and fear with the grace. It's not either or. And unfortunately, I'm sure some of you have come across that teaching where I know I got it early on, and I had to reject it. I knew the fear of the Lord because I was raised by him when I was on my way to find Christ in absolute terror and fear of God so nobody could convince me that that was misinterpretation and the real interpretation of the fear of the Lord is reverent love for God huh no it's fearful you fall into the hands of the living God you will shake you will bite your lip and bleed you will wake up drenched in sweat that's what happened to me you will know that you were in the presence of an almighty forceful fearful almighty spirit creator of the universe so the Lord is calling for there to be a regeneration in the body of Christ but not a regeneration without the reformation of the body of Christ big difference Everybody talks about the regeneration, once saved, always saved, full of grace. You know, don't worry about it. God's got it. Just make sure you're in church on Sunday. Keep trying to do the right thing. And if you don't, it's all right, because a lot of people don't. There's no regeneration without reformation, and there's no reformation without regeneration. The story of the governor, true story, a governor decided he wanted to go and experience one of his own state prisons. So he went in as a prisoner. And he happened to take a liking to this one particular person and asked to be a sailmate. They put him in as a sailmate, and he was talking and they were enjoying each other, and he thought, this is a pretty good guy. And he said, let me ask him a question, because the governor had the authority to pardon him, to forgive him to deliver him. So he asked him, if you were able to get out of prison tomorrow, if somehow you you got pardoned, the governor or the president pardoned you, what would be the first thing you would do? And this wonderful young guy who the governor had taken favor and a liking to said, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to slit the throat of that judge that put me in here. governor put his hand up said get me out of here and the man stayed in prison no reformation without regeneration no regeneration without reformation place of next